Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Inside Strength Podcast with special guest Pat Bibley today. So this episode has been labelled It Starts From Within and if you're into personal development, this is an episode for you. Within this podcast, we covered Pat's backstory and how he persevered through the tough times to where he is today to help thousands of people all across the world, how to sack goals and basically how it starts with why. How to be present in the moment and actually enjoy the process along the way. And also how Pat's simplistic approach to life has increased his internal happiness and how you can actually apply the same to your own. So look, if you're into personal development, like I said, this podcast is going to suit you to a T. So I cannot wait. So let's get stuck in. Thank you so much for coming on. As we sort of talked before, I'm a massive fan already. I basically, well, not met you, but I went down to see you in Dublin, 2015, 2014, we were speaking down there. And ever since then, I've sort of followed you, mate. I'm super, super pumped and excited to have you on this podcast. And it's a privilege, mate. So first and foremost, thank you so much for taking the time of your day to do that. And Pat, if you just want to sort of just briefly sort of introduce yourself, mate, and then I'll go into the backstory a little bit more. Sure, yeah. Thanks a million for having me. And, and it's nice to be your first guest. So cheers. Um yeah, I, I live in Galway. I'm a I'm a speaker and a coach. I guess that's my profession, if you will. And I've got a podcast as well. Um, came from a fitness background, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And uh, I've transitioned over the last five, six years into more personal development, meditation, um, stress management. Um, sort of more interested now, I suppose, in in the mind and how the mind works. Um, outside of that, I like surfing, jujitsu, climbing mountains, playing guitar. I've got lots of hobbies. Um, that's something I lost for a number of years in my life. I think hobbies are really important just uh, as we get older, just to keep that kind of passion for life. And I'm inspired by challenge and I'm inspired by, you know, connecting with people and just uh, showing up as myself because for a long time I, I wore a lot of masks and, and I suppose my mission in life for myself on a personal level is to take off as many of the masks as I can and just be, be true to myself and, and then help others do the same uh, in the process, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely love that, man. Because that's one thing that I think a lot of guys struggle with as well. You know, before we even get into things, like I was exactly the same when I was playing football, this sort of masculine front where a lot of people just think that because you lift weights as well, you have to put on this sort of masculine front. And the main thing is just being true to yourself. And that's why, like I said, I'm absolutely pumped to have you on, mate. So look, obviously you're, everything I've read your books and everything, Pat, Upgrade Your Life is probably one of my favorite books that I read back in the day as well, mate. You know, you're a high performance coach, mate, and you help people achieve new levels of basically purpose, passion and fulfillment like it's basically stead but the main thing is that i get from you pat is why i wanted you on because you're so honest you're so integrity with you as well as the fact mate, that you know you're only down the road you're from ireland as well so it's so good to resonate with somebody who's achieved such high levels of success off his own back from basically down the road almost so it's a pleasure to have you on mate so pat what i would love to sort of start with me it would be your backstory because that's one thing that really resonated with me from when i first seen you live and how much it sort of connected with me in regards to you persevering through hard times and basically coming out the other end to still follow your passion, but going against the setbacks that you had to basically persevere to sort of follow through to come out successful. Sure. Um, I'll try not to go too long on this, but, but basically I grew up, you know, fitness was my passion since I was 13 or 14. It was kind of the first thing in life to give me confidence. I'm 32 now. So that's a while ago now and started lifting weights, doing martial arts. And, and I knew from the first day I went to the gym at 15, like this is what I want to do. Um, when I came out of school, fitness wasn't where it is now in Ireland. There wasn't many guys making a living from this. It was, you know, you could be a gym instructor in a hotel. Maybe there was a handful of personal trainers. 
And the story I told myself for six years in school was I'm not academic, I'm not clever, I'm not smart. I just had this belief about myself that I, I would never get the points to go and study something like sports science or physiotherapy. I didn't think there was a career to be made from, from personal training. And so I went and studied geography and economics, which was something I had no interest in. Um, uh, every summer I would go to the States. That was the one thing that kind of kept me going through college. And I went out and trained at an MMA gym out there and worked in an MMA gym. And I met a mentor out there. So he was 10 years older than me. He was an amazing fitness coach and I really looked up to him. And um, long story short, he committed suicide about a year later. And uh, it kind of shook me a little bit to, to think about what I was doing with my life. And uh, I decided to change direction and sort of pursue the personal training because he had always had a belief in me and he had always told me what I was capable of. And I had tried to do the same for him, but he just didn't see his, his potential. And so I, I switched gears. I, I became a personal trainer on the side. And then I moved to England, did a master's in nutrition and exercise science. And I suppose at that point, I felt I, felt I was pretty qualified. I, I sort of, looking back, to be honest, I was entitled. I, I felt like I've got a master's. I should be able to walk into any gym and work or whatever. Um, but it wasn't as easy. The recession had just come in Ireland. It was the 2009, or the recession was probably at its worst. Um, I moved from Galway to Dublin after getting a job in a gym up there and let, got let go from the gym pretty quickly for expressing what I thought of the place. <laughs> uh, that put me out on my own. And again, young, naive, and probably entitled, thinking it's going to be easy to get a business off the ground. If other people can do it, I can do it too. And the long and the short of it was I spent 12 to 18 months up there just struggling to, to find any clients, um, completely lost in Dublin, feeling isolated, um, feeling lonely, depressed, um, hopeless uh, at times. Uh, and I just didn't want to come home having failed. And so I kept persevering and um, I was working in clothes shops. I was working different jobs, but not telling anyone back home about that. Instead, painting this image of success by putting up pictures of models that I was training. And what nobody knew back home was I was training these models for free. I didn't have any paying clients. I would borrow money from anyone I could just to pay the rent and kind of keep my head above water. And ultimately, I came home Christmas Eve. And that was that was my kind of my one of my dark nights of the soul. There's been a few, but um, I had to borrow money from my dad to get the bus back to Galway on Christmas Eve. I cried for three hours, surrounded by people that I would have grown up with, um, just feeling like a failure and feeling completely lost. And I moved back in with my parents at 24, which looking back is not a big deal. But at the time, I felt a great sense of shame around that just because I felt like they had supported me up until whatever, 20, 21 with college and everything else. And I didn't want to go back, you know, having, uh, I suppose, not taken advantage of the opportunity they had given me. But I got work in a pizza shop. Uh, I spent six months kind of bumping into people again I would have grown up with that were saying, Pat, I thought you were successful now. What's, what are you doing in the pizza shop? And not that there's anything wrong with a pizza shop. I remember the night I did the Late Late Show, I said something like that, and people thought it was. <laughs> but for me, it was just such a disconnect between, I suppose, having done a master's in nutrition, painted an image of, of how, how successful I was becoming as a trainer, and then people coming in and saying, wow, but Pat, this is not what I, where I thought I'd see you. Um, ultimately, you know, I had a really rough six months, uh, completely lost and couldn't see any light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, I applied to go back and study physiotherapy. That was kind of my parents were, were trying to get me out of the hole that I was in and the darkness I was in. And they said, look, if you, if you studied physio, you'd still get to work with people in a similar capacity, but at least you'd kind of have 
you know, better job prospects and security and all these things. And so I got accepted onto a course to study physio, which kind of seemed like the light at the end of the tunnel. It wasn't exactly what I wanted to do, but I thought, okay, this is going to like get me out of my hole. And um, a couple of weeks later, I got the note that they'd canceled the course. And so my, my heart kind of sank again, but that was the time when I decided, right, let's give the fitness thing one last go. I've nothing to lose at this point and called a trainer or touch base with a trainer in the UK called Mark Trigilgez, who's based in Cardiff, who was very successful. And I just reached out to him. I didn't know him. And I said, you know, any advice? I see you doing really well. I'd like to do something similar. The guy rang me up, not knowing me, gave me 20 minutes of fire on the phone. Nothing I didn't know, but just a belief that I didn't have. He kind of, you can do this and, you know, get outside and da, 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 da. And so I started teaching fitness classes down on my local beach. And I suppose I just came back to it with a different mentality of this is not so much about push-ups and broccoli. This is about uh, the person coming to me has probably got lots going on in their own life the same way I do. And maybe they just want to disconnect from that for an hour, a couple of times a week. And um, my two words were belief and belonging, make people believe in themselves, make people feel like they belong to something. And that became um, contagious. We had five people on the first morning and a hundred people within three months down on the beach in the rain in Galway. And uh, I suppose long and the short of it was a year later, I opened my gym. A uh, year to the day of starting on the beach, I opened my gym, which was my lifelong dream. Um, I ended up bringing out three books in the next couple of years. Um, we, we went from five clients to 25,000 clients in six years um, with online programs and stuff. And ironically, I suppose when everything looked really good externally in terms of success, I just found myself, and, and this can often happen to us, um, we start something which is exciting, but then it takes over everything. And I was losing touch with friends. I was, I was losing touch with myself. I was doing things I didn't really want to be doing because I was afraid to say no to anything for fear of going back to where I was. And so at 27, kind of four, four years into this, 28, 29, um, I made some big changes. I, I kind of changed my lifestyle. I, I went back to practicing hobbies. I slowed down. I, I went doing some traveling. I, I walked away from the fitness business effectively, which was very successful on paper, but I just knew it wasn't me anymore. And I think you have to listen to yourself, even when that means going against the grain. And so the last couple of years has been coaching, speaking, podcasting, studying. That's my main thing is just studying every day, new, new things that can help me because my experience has been the more I heal myself, if you want to use that language of healing, like in terms of like letting go of shame and guilt and anger and frustration and my negative stories about myself and, and my, my inner critic, the more I heal that stuff, the more I can connect with people because we're all the same. And uh, yeah, that's a bit of a long winded. Uh, no, I love it. I love it. And I really, really appreciate it because it reminds me literally sitting back in that room in Dublin when I heard it all. And obviously you've got the little part on to the end where you only had up to 2015 and 16 at that time. So it's good to hear the other part where even at that, you knew where you were at, you were self-aware that it wasn't making you as happy as what, you know, it originally was because you were super busy. And it's one thing I can resonate with Pat before we even came on the podcast was that's why I reached out to you because it can resonate with you so well because you went away, tried something. I went away to Scotland to try football. Didn't work out. I came home and felt a bit of a failure. Had to overcome that mask it was putting on. And I just feel like it couldn't be any more perfect to have the first guest on to basically have the same sort of experiences that for me to understand as well. So that's really, really good. And I'm sure a lot of people will take from that to understand that no matter what your sort of setbacks, you can make a positive of it. And always being self-aware of where you're at, even if it changes. That's what I even said to some of my clients. It's like, if you like a certain type of training and it changes after a while and you don't like that anymore, it's completely fine. You can try something new, whatever keeps you 
happy internally and that's the main thing so that's fantastic pat thank you for sharing that brother thank you no it's um yeah, I 100% agree with what you're saying and, and I can relate to that in that that time when I was 27, 28, I, I trained so many people at that stage and my passion for fitness was starting to disappear because I was living in my gym, like not living in my gym, but for effectively living in my gym. Um, you know, when you work with that many people, you see the same patterns all the time. You can tell when someone's going to come in feeling like they're ready to throw in the towel. You can tell when someone's going to be, you know, and I just didn't want to train anymore. And again, there was this disconnect in my head. I was like, I'm the trainer. I'm supposed to be training all the time. Like this doesn't make sense and couldn't stay consistent. And the, the big change for me at that time was asking, and this is a good question I think for everyone to ask, um, when you think about what you want to achieve, what's the feeling that you think it will bring you or what's it going to give you? And so why do I want to train? I want to feel confident. I want to feel fit and healthy. And then I, I flipped the script and I said, how, what else could I do that would help me feel confident, fit and healthy? Because there's, there's a hundred ways to achieve whatever you want to achieve, but people become obsessed with the thing. And at that time I was saying, well, if I took up martial arts, that would help me be fit and healthy and, and be confident if I started mountaineering. So sometimes we're, you know, if you've, if you've failed a hundred times before in the gym with staying consistent, time 101 is probably not going to be any different. And that's not a bad thing. It's just, it's maybe not your thing. And, and our things change. Um, yep. Seasons of life, right? And um, yeah, at that time, when, when I think for fitness guys in particular, fitness girls in particular, um, when fitness is your job, that becomes your social life to some degree. That becomes that becomes everything to some degree. And so, I needed somewhere I could go where I'm just the trainee. I don't have to worry about if there's a leak in the gym. I don't have to worry about if someone slips and hurts their ankle or whatever it might be. So, um, you know, taking up some stuff for myself definitely helped me get past myself sabotage if you want to call it that way for me yeah i think that's absolutely fantastic pat as well because for me as well as some of my clients a lot of the clients that i would have still trained to this day and i'm sure you as well gaelic footballers football players but that's all they know and maybe they're not even happy doing it anymore but it's all they know throughout their lives and like for me for example it was all i knew until i was 19 and i went basically in with bodybuilding and then after bodybuilding finished i was like well what else makes me happy and then i tried powerlifting and i'm doing that so it's a case of like there's always things and you can change course, change direction, but it's a case of even hearing you say that, I've said to a lot of guys, a lot of girls in the past, well, why don't you try this? Why don't you try this? It's only because that's all they're used to. I always use the, the sort of the phrase like, imagine from a young age, you know, you basically only played football your entire life, say Gaelic football or soccer, and you could be the world's best golf player, but you just don't know because you just haven't tried enough things yet, you know? That's what I always say. Yeah. And, um... You know, I talk about hobbies a lot now because I feel like I think there's something special in hobbies in that um, you learn about yourself when you try new things and you do new things. You don't learn anything if you just always do what you've always done. But the reason we struggle with trying new things is not to do with the thing. It's to do with um, it's to do with our mentality, our mindset around it. Like we don't like being a beginner again because it makes us vulnerable. It makes us um, essentially look like a fool, look silly, whatever it is. So. I think if, if we can overcome that, that's really important. Um, like allow yourself to look silly. If you think about kids, right? Kids are, I was, there's loads of, loads of metaphors we can use for kids. But one interesting thing with kids is when they're on, like when they're up during the day, they're wired to the moon. But when they go to bed, they're out like that. So like there's not, they don't overthink in bed. They just, they're on or they're off. And another interesting thing with kids is 
for kids, it's not about ticking a bunch of boxes. It's not like I need to get here to be happy. It's I'm just going to be happy doing whatever I'm doing. And so they play a football game not to win the game as such. They want to win, but I mean, it's not a big deal. If they win the game, they get ice cream. If they lose the game, they get ice cream. It's all good. And for us as adults, most things become about I need to achieve X, Y, and Z. And we lose, again, fitness could be the example. You enjoy the feelings of fitness when you first start, but then it's all about numbers and targets and everything else. And suddenly, not as fun as it was. So um, if you can find something in your life, this could be the one change you make in your life that, that could make, you know, make everything else better. Find something where you don't have to achieve, you don't have to get anywhere. You can just allow yourself to just be in the process, whether it's art or it's music or it's a, a martial art or it's uh, almost think of yourself as a kid and think about you're going to your activity for an hour once a week and the teacher's going to look after everything. You just need to have the crack for an hour. And I think you can. Yeah, that's a really good thing. And I think that both of us, like, I know I've sent you videos of the guitar and you sort of show me some as well. Like, I think that's good for both of us too as a hobby that just has you to switch off. You just enjoy it. And again, you pick up the guitar as a beginner, but you're just happy to learn the process. And that's one thing in my life that it is a hobby, but I absolutely love because number one, it just takes my complete focus away. And number two, I love music as well. So it's good to try to obviously improve upon that. But it's almost like you said, to not be fearful to try something new or get frustrated before you're at because it's the process that you have to enjoy more that we're going to talk on in a little second anyway, Pat. But that's fantastic, mate. So moving on a little bit, Pat, about the goal set. There's a lot of people obviously listening to this who, you know, will want to try set their goals, especially because in Ireland, the gyms are now reopening for lockdown and a lot of people are going to get back into it, I suppose, as well. So, you know, from even my perspective, I would love to hear how you set your goals and ultimately how you try to fulfill those goals and even review. And I really like, when I went through your social media part about what we've talked through about the sprinter mentality versus the marathon mentality and also the working out versus working in. That's one thing that resonated massively with me because I'm just all go, go, go. And it's almost the time just to chill out and sort of calm yourself almost and get the energy back. Sure. Yeah. Um, oh, there's a million directions I could go with this, but, um, in terms of goal setting, a couple of things to consider. I think keep this fairly concise. Um, uh, the first thing for me, I work in month blocks. I don't go beyond three months with my goals because coronavirus has shown us that if you had a five-year plan prior to the coronavirus, you're probably feeling pretty overwhelmed right now. So I like three-month blocks. 12 weeks is long enough that you can do something in any area of life that's, that moves the needle. But um, you know, it's short enough that you can keep your sights on something. What happens a lot of people, if you set a 12-month goal of writing a book, you'll probably find yourself on month 11 with very few words written and then you feel under massive pressure. Whereas if it's 12 weeks, it's a short enough time that you keep the pressure on yourself, but long enough again that you can make, make some changes. And we see that with even fitness with people's before and afters. 12 weeks seems to be the thing. A um, couple of things to consider. One way of recognizing what goals will be most useful because a lot of people don't want to look at where they are or where they've come from. They want to jump straight into goal setting. And when we jump straight into goal setting, we tend to put down stuff that we think we should want. So maybe I want the car that I see my neighbor with. Maybe I want to look like someone I've seen on social media. These are not connected to ourselves. These are other people's goals. And so the way that you figure out what your own goals, at least one way of figuring out what your own goals is, you could make a list of what are, I just, I just had coaching clients this morning and, and one of the exercises we had was list some of your current frustrations, challenges, problems, um, struggles, make a list of them and identify the ones that you don't want to be with six months from now. Because if you think about it, if I struggle with weight loss, for example, and every January I join the gym and I can't stay consistent, 
I'm in a cycle. It's the same challenge and problem every year. So there's not growth. It's just I'm stuck in a loop. And so if you can identify what your current challenges are and ask yourself, what can I do to ensure that I have different challenges in three months or six months? Because you'll always have challenge. That's a given and that's important. But what are my current challenges and what do I need to do to overcome those challenges so that six months from now I can have bigger and better challenges? And that's one thing I think is a good way of, of setting goals. The other thing that's important is most people are concerned with what they want to do and then straight to how are you going to do it? So what and how? They, 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 these are the two questions. Very few people spend enough time with why. So what do I want to do? I want to run a marathon. Why? Uh, <laughs> probably don't want to do it, you know? So, and that's fine. That's really good. It's good to see that, you know, okay, what do you want to do? I want to, I want to start a business. Why? Um, I think, you know, I see Gary Vaynerchuk doing it. I think it would be cool. Okay. That's probably not the best reason. Um, and there's this idea of peel the onion. Your why should make you cry. So, what do I want to do? I want to learn Spanish. Why do I want to learn Spanish? Um, you know, I travel a lot and I feel a bit silly when I can't speak the language. Okay, why does that matter? Um, you know, I think I can connect with people on a deeper level if I speak the same language as them. Why does that matter? I want to connect with people. That's important to me. Why does that matter? Life is all about connecting. So I'm getting to something that's like, ah, oh, this gives me a reason to move the needle. It's not like, oh, it'd be cool to have a few words of Spanish. It's like, this is going to allow me to connect with an extra potential 100 million people you know so um yeah i think those things identify with your frustrations come up with ch challenges that help you overcome them and then before getting to how are you going to do the thing recognize why you want to do the thing and then finally as we say with the the sprinter and the marathon runner um the, sp the sprinter and the marathon runner a marathon for a lot of i don't want to sound like oh some people do this but for me for a long period of time i was like the marathon runner where i was just going at this kind of steady pace and slow pace you know because i felt like life is long and again my goal is a year away so i can just go slow pace um when you get clear on your targets and you get clear on what's important and you go from okay 12 weeks from now i want to be here in order for me to be on track i've got to be here in 30 days and then you go backward again i've got to be here in seven days just get real strategic and i'm not i'm not organized by nature but i just make myself have some discipline around the planning because planning is everything and i know every day what's three things that need to happen and that makes me a sprinter because i get up in the morning get the thing done as fast as possible as well as possible and then relax for a little bit and then do the next thing and do the next thing so i have massive outputs of energy in short periods of time and then i can relax for a long time yeah, that's a really, really good way to do it because I think that a lot of people listening to this will maybe just think that, for example, you're saying goals where I can, I can do it by this point, whereas they put time bound, like healthy pressure on themselves to actually achieve it. That's a massive way, but also a part of the fact that you said about the why, because that's so important. You know, I think even me, I've realized at the age of 25, why I do what I do. I've achieved the abs, I've achieved the strength that I wanted, I've achieved the physique. And I'm sure a lot of people's listeners did the same. And it just comes down to the reason why do you do it? And for me, it's more for the mental health benefit. It's more for, you know, to actually feel confidence, actually to, to lead from the front within my own tribe and to, to help others understand exactly what health and fitness can do for them just as it has for me. So that's massively important. And I think if you figure that out, you're well on your way to stay on track a lot more through the hard days, which are going to come when it comes to your goal set, man. So I absolutely love that, Pat. And that brings us on to the next sort of thing I would love to talk about. I really, really liked... Um, the video that you put up about when you said about the dog analogy about throwing the ball and it's one thing that i feel like a lot of people listening to this will resonate to and i can resonate with it uh, precisely because when i was 21 i did the bodybuilding competition it was a men's physique competition and i said you know what 
2016, I think it was January, right? This is the year I'm going to commit to doing men's physique. And I went and did that show in August and I buckled down, did a gaining phase, did a lean phase, got into the leanest shape of my life all naturally and stuff like that. And I said, I'm going to be happy when I'm standing on that stage with my first place trophy, with my parents watching me, my girlfriend at the time saying, you know what, you're the man. And you know what? Wasn't happy at all. I basically achieved it and I was like, right, what next? And then it was just the ball throwing analogy that you said, and that really hit me, man. So I think it's a massive thing and I think a lot of people will resonate too. So if you want to maybe sort of touch on that, about I'll be happy when. Sure. Um... You know, there's a lot of talk about mindfulness and meditation and being in the present nowadays. And if you think about it, most of us struggle to be in the present because the story is either I'll be happy when, and that's in the future, or it's things are so much easier when. So like I was happier when I had a girlfriend. Okay, I'll be happier when I meet my next partner, whatever it is. Those two things are trying to avoid where I'm at right now, which is not ideal. <laughs> so uh, the analogy with the, the dog is there's two dogs in the house and... Um, one dog, I throw the ball and every now and then it gets up and it goes after the ball and it comes back and it's kind of lazy, you know, it's just happy out. It just kind of, and then the other dog, just you throw the ball and it runs after the ball and it comes back and it drops the ball at my feet and I've got to keep doing this all day. And for some of us, we write happiness on the ball. I heard this analogy years ago and I liked it. We write happiness on the ball. We say, I'll be happy when throw the ball and you chase it. And as soon as you get there, you throw it again and again and again and again. And you never, like the other dog, allow yourself to go after things sometimes, but then kick back and enjoy the process. And so my experience with that, again, you know, sometimes you can see people that look to be having a lot of success, but you can tell when people are going too fast. And uh, I went to a psychiatrist when I was 27. I says, I don't get it. Like I've achieved everything I ever wanted to achieve. I, I you know, I'm, friends family my girlfriend i've got uh, business is really successful it's far exceeded what i ever thought i've got financial freedom now doing you know, all this stuff i don't get it um and it was really hard it's hard for people when you know when things go wrong externally you've kind of got something to blame for your mental health worries you're like oh you know it's it's my it's the recession or it's this or it's, at least that was the case for me and then when i got everything i wanted and i still like was struggling with anxiety and overwhelm and couldn't sleep and was just lost I was like, this is messed up. I was like, I've got everything. And then there's a level of guilt because you're like, I shouldn't be depressed. I shouldn't be anxious. I've got everything. And um, she told me, you're going too fast. And the analogy she gave me was the best thing I ever heard. <laughs> she uh, said something to the effect of like, we've all got fight or flight response in the body. This, this response that comes up in us when we're under threat. And uh, nowadays we're getting it all the time. It's like, it used to be the case, the tiger comes in the room, you fight the tiger or you run away. You get this response and then the fight or flight response is gone for the day and you can rest and digest. But nowadays, if I whisper in your ear that someone doesn't like you, you get fight or flight response. If you get stuck in traffic and you get stressed, fight or flight response. If you're drinking too much caffeine, fight or flight response. When you train in the gym, fight or flight response. Chronic fight or flight. And she said to me, it's like a fire alarm in a house where uh, if there's a fire in your house and the alarm goes, it's really useful because you're under threat and fire alarm helps you. But she said, if the fire alarm goes every time you use a toaster, now it's not efficient anymore. It's not working. And she said, for you, your fight or flight response is useful if a car pulls out in front of you and you've got to jump out of the way. But it's not useful when, I don't know, you, you're looking all around you thinking there's problems and challenges. And so I started thinking, how do I defrag 
the fire alarm like how do i fix the fire alarm in my life how do i fix that fight or flight response and at that time it was meditation it was martial arts it was hobbies it was more time in nature it was a lot of basic stuff um but the i'll be happy when if you think about think about it before and after picture use the fitness analogy day zero day 90 we always see it i who did i hear say the other day i thought it was a good good line they said the line down the middle of the two pictures that's where the magic is but that's the smallest part of the picture yeah but 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 we think about this if i live my life that way that on day 90 i'll be happy i'm going to spend 90 days chasing maybe for a few moments i'll feel happier fulfilled good chance i won't because if i don't enjoy the journey it's hard to enjoy where i get and then as soon as i get there it's like right what's the next thing and then 90 days to the next thing like your whole life is spent like next 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 and so my simple change a couple of years ago like one thing people could take off the back of this is um every morning I get up and I ask the question, what am I excited about today? Um, because your life is made up of the days in it. And if you're not having a lot of good days or exciting days, or at least like putting something in your day, then your week's not going to be that exciting. If your week's not exciting, your month's not going to be exciting. Month turns into years, years turns into decades. And so we talked about guitar earlier. It could be as simple as if I play guitar for 20 minutes today, that's going to be really great. Okay, tomorrow, if I get to the gym, that's going to be great next day. Okay, if I get a coffee with a friend, that's going to be great. And these little things start to stack up and your life completely changes. Like your life is made up of what you do in the day. It's not what, the, what you do over the next 90, like it's not where you're going to be in 90 days. That doesn't matter. Um, the thought that something outside of yourself is going to make you happy is, is daft. I mean, it makes sense. It's what we're sold. It's what the media tells us because that's how they make money on fear, thinking you're not good enough as you are. But, um, you know, consider that there's been times in your life like that where you've stood on a stage and you've gotten everything you thought you ever wanted externally and inside you haven't felt great. But then on the flip side, you probably had a day where nothing special happened. It was just a normal day and you just felt really good for some reason. You're like, oh, everything's good. So it comes from inside of us. Like that's that's the illusion is that it comes outside. Yeah, 100%. Pat. And that's basically made exactly in a nutshell the why I called my coaching business Insights Frank. You know, it's because I've achieved the external. I've achieved like you've achieved as well, you know, uh, accolades across fitness. And I think it, it comes from experience of you being a coach and understanding that with your coaching clients being like, you know what, I went through this as well. And here's my experience and I'm going to help you with it now because it's almost enjoying the process. And that's what I do with my clients. Like I'm a fitness coach, I'm a physique coach, strength coach. But the main thing is I get people stronger, help them with fitness and nutrition, get them in the best shape of their life if they want to do that. And the main thing that I try to educate my clients through is to enjoy the process, to put things in place like this, for example, mindset training, to help them understand that, yes, when they achieve their goal, it's going to be fantastic. But right now, if they're doing like a 90-day program, those 89 days are going to be much longer than that one day. So you might as well enjoy the rest and be, be present, basically. I love the fact that almost the presence is a massive thing. If you look back, I don't know where exactly I heard it, but if you look back, you can get thoughts of depression. If you look forward, you get thoughts of anxiety. If you're in the moment right now, you just are calm and you're, you're basically where you need to be, basically. And that's one thing that I sort of said to myself, when I get overwhelmed or pressure or whatever else, you're exactly where you need to be. And that sort of just calms me in a way. But absolutely love that, man. So, you know, I think a lot of people resonate with that also because it's always a case of we'll be happy when and then just basically thinking summertime when I get into bikini and stuff like that and it's a case of it has to be worked on right now and I love that so as well Pat I would love to touch on mate you know I really really like the video about when you said you went up the mountain and it's something that I really want to get into in the rest of this year is basically mountaineering getting up going hiking and stuff like that 
And you said about, you know, you found how simple life was when you went up on the mountain with just your backpack and how much you actually didn't need in life. And I feel like for a lot of people, that would probably help people with their anxiety, their stress levels, understand life is very simple if you look at it from that approach. So how did you sort of come across that in your own way? Uh, like I say, 27, just uh, I bought a house, a car, um, had a business. Uh, I had lots of stuff in my house, which is not that I ever want. It wasn't anything I ever consciously wanted. I probably wanted the opposite. A good way of, of sort of knowing what you want or having a bit of an inkling as to what you want is to look at the people you admire. And, and if you look at them and you think, like I'll give you an example. I had a coaching class this week and she she said, I watch too much YouTube. And I said, what kind of stuff are you watching on YouTube? She said, I love those SAS Who Dares Wins shows, like the army shows, um, the, the survival shows. Now that, she can see that as she watches too much YouTube. But what I see in that is she's watching something that's inspiring to her, which is pointing back to her that she needs to put a little bit more adventure in her life. I said, are you bored at the moment? She says, yeah, I'm bored. She said, I love some adventure. And that's what she needs to lean into in whatever way looks works for her. So in the same way, when I look at the people that I admire the most, they're kind of minimalist. They don't really care too much about stuff. Um, and anyway, I woke up at 27 and I kind of had all this stuff and I was like, oh, overwhelms. Like my, my house was busy. My mind was busy. And I made some changes. And one of the changes was mountaineering. I got into mountaineering. I climbed, I climbed, you know, Kilimanjaro twice and Elbrus out in Russia and Aconcagua out in North America, or South America. Aconcagua is the highest mountain in the world outside of the Himalayas. So it takes 21 to 28 days. And what you learn by climbing a mountain is you learn a lot of things. But one of the things is, again, for me, it was I'll be happy when at that time, when you go and climb a mountain for 21 days and you get 10 minutes on the top of the mountain, you pretty quickly learn to enjoy the process as opposed to the journey. Uh, sorry, learn. Yeah. Learn, learn the process as opposed to the outcome. Um, but yeah, I think, look, we've become the, the world has just become heavily centered around quick fix solutions, um, comfort, um, there's kind of a false narrative sold to us that you shouldn't, you shouldn't have challenges. You shouldn't have struggles in your life. And I think the opposite is true. You should have challenges. You should have struggles, but you should choose those challenges and struggles for me to climb a mountain for 21 days. Um, and it gets to like minus 40 degrees toward the top and the winds hundred kilometers an hour. And if you lose your glove, you'll lose your fingers. You know, it's, um, to have that kind of challenge in my life or to go to jujitsu for two hours and, and be beat up for two hours or, you know, to, to, and you know, whatever it is, the rest of my life is easy after that stuff. But when I try to have an easy life and I don't put anything challenging in my life then the rest of my life is hard. Um, I went and spent a week with Wim Hof, the Iceman. He's, he's a kind of famous guy a couple of years ago in Poland and we spend, you know, time getting into ice baths and all this kind of crazy stuff. And, Again, um, he talks about this idea that we've got central heating in our house now. So you turn on your heat anytime you're cold, your body doesn't have to adapt in any way. And so our immune systems are probably weaker than they were before in the same way that our minds are probably weaker than they were before because the lack of challenge. People ask about where does confidence come from? It doesn't come from the next handbag or the next, you know, uh, I don't know, nice haircut or whatever it is. Uh, that we think will give us confidence it comes from challenge uh, and mountaineering has taught me that it's taught me a lot of things it's taught me about simplicity um you don't need a lot 
Like when you spend 21 days on a mountain or whatever it might be, you can spend a day on a mountain. It doesn't, you know, you spend half a day on a mountain up north or whatever it is or, or down south. Um, you connect with people on a real level because you're not on your phone. You have great conversations. You're challenged physically. Um, you have to look after yourself, which is, which is good too, because this idea, like when we're kids, once your mom lets you off into the world, we spend our lives plugging into other people thinking they're going to fix us. I might buy a weight loss plan thinking that the trainer is going to be my, my uh, unbiblical cord for the next month. And then I'm into, you know, someone else and someone else and someone else. And so it's good to put things in your life where you have to look after yourself and you have to, to learn about yourself again. If I, if I do what I've always done, someone used an analogy recently and said like, your mind is almost like the world. And for a lot of us, despite the fact we can travel the whole world, we live in the same city and we never go outside of that city. And in the same way with our mind, despite the fact that there's loads we can learn about ourselves and loads of things we can come to see, we live in the same patterns. They say we're 60 to 90,000 thoughts a day and 98% of our thoughts are the same as yesterday. So we're not thinking, we're remembering. We think that we're thinking, but we're remembering. We're just re regurgitating the same patterns all the time. I was doing some journaling on this yesterday and I recognized that the way I show up in relationships now is the same way I showed up when I was a kid and I was angry with my parents. I shut down. Like, uh, so you'll find your patterns if you look to stuff. Um, sorry, I'm off on a tangent there. But no, no, I, I really, really like that as well, man, because that's one thing as you get older, I think you realize that when you go through relationships, you're like, well, I wonder if it wasn't just them. Maybe it was me as well. And I've got bits of me to work on and there's bits of reoccurring patterns. And I think self-awareness is a massive part of that. To understand what your traits are that fit in with another person and what you said there may have hit the nail on the head to be honest because you know i went through that as well and i think that with me and my girlfriend at the moment we've just bought a house we've been in a relationship for over two years and i just feel like it's it's now to the point where we both understand one another but also we both understand ourselves much more and that helps the relationship because we're not working on the other person we've worked on ourselves a lot and we're continuing to do that but it's not a case of you're relying on that person for happiness you're trying to create it from yourself and that's like, literally, sorry, I went off on a bit of a tangent. <laughs> well, it's it, like relationships are interesting because they challenge us more than anything else because we think it's about the other person. But the thing the other person is saying is awakening something in us that we're not comfortable with. So if my partner, like, again, we're on a tangent, but you look, we can go in any direction with a podcast. <laughs> this idea, I just filmed a video about this yesterday. Our frustrations are unmet needs. And if we can figure out what the unmet need is, we can slow everything down. So as an example, uh, let's say I have a really busy day at work and I come home and I tell my partner about everything that's happening. I'm kind of excited about it. And I just don't get much of a response. Uh, there's not much interest taken. They say, oh, that's nice. And I feel frustrated. For a lot of us, we're not aware of what's going on. So we're straight into critical mode. We, we've got different defense mechanisms. Some of us criticize, some of us get defensive, some of us stonewall and just shut down. But I might say, I might get critical and say, you never take an interest in my work. Like, the, you know, uh, what I'm not aware of is there's an unmet need. So the reason I'm frustrated is because there's something in me that's not being met. So if I can slow it down and I can be like, what's the unmet need in me that makes me feel frustrated? It's the need to be seen. It's the need to be appreciated. It's the need to be acknowledged for what I do. And then if I went a step further and asked, where might this need stem from? And it's probably when you're a kid, you feel you didn't get the acceptance of validation from one of your parents that you thought you should have got. And so why that matters is that when you can start seeing your patterns, the next time there's an argument with your partner, you come to see it's not about them. It's not their thing. If I split up with this person and I go to the next person, I'm just going to re recreate the cycle. That's how it works until yep. we, I say, heal ourselves. 
Yeah, I love that. I love that, mate. And that's one thing that a lot of people in their 20s are probably starting to realize a lot, you know, when they get to that sort of age, they're like, well, maybe it actually wasn't. And there's a lot of it I need to work on myself. So that's powerful stuff, man. It's an uncomfortable conversation, I suppose, you have to have with yourself and really sort of like be present, number one, but also reflect on what it was that sort of caused the breakdown of those sort of things. And basically be honest with yourself, you know, not put a mask over and be like, you know what, I'm perfect and all that stuff. And I think that comes with maturity. And, you know, I'm glad we sort of touched on that as well. But um, look, Pat, the main thing is here, brother, I appreciate your time, Mikhail. I don't want to keep going on, mate, because I'm conscious you're, you're busy and stuff like that. But I just sort of want to finish off with this last little thing. There's, there's the aspect of meditation. And, you know, it's one thing that I've never probably got into, but really want to. But I remember watching and you saying about it in regards to why people find it uncomfortable from meditation is because all their thoughts come up. And it's one of the things that they find it difficult to almost accept when that happens because they always want to rush around. And for me, I would be that type of person who who needs to work on that and to sort of chill out. So for you, what was your sort of starting base with meditation and how would you feel that somebody could get into it? Yeah, yeah, great question and great place to finish, I think. Um my start was again back to the psychiatrist chair and, and the fire alarm and everything else and recognizing I've got to practice like calming down and not having to go a million miles an hour. Uh, sometimes when you see endurance runners, the people that do 100 miles, 200 miles races, races, one of the questions they ask those people, I think it's a common thing. They don't say, why do you run or what are you running to? They say, what are you running from? Because a lot of the time there's stuff in them that's, they've got demons. You got to have demons. I'm not saying you got to have demons, but if you do some crazy stuff in life, sometimes you've got to have darkness in there. Um, and so in the same way, when we're going 100 miles an hour, we can't slow down. What are we running from? Is it the need? You know, is it the fact that I don't feel good enough unless I'm an achiever? Is it whatever it is? But with meditation, there's a couple of things. Two, I think two challenges that we face. One is um, if you go to the gym today and you can do five push-ups and you come back tomorrow and you can do six, you say, wow, I'm progressing. This feels good. So we like seeing our progress. With meditation, it's a little bit harder to... Um, track your progress it's just not as linear that's a challenge the second thing is people think their mind is supposed to switch off when they meditate and that's not the case you don't need to switch off you just need to become aware so like there's, there's a meditation out and i think it's uh, tibet maybe i'm not sure where but the meditation is literally i will sit here opposite you and i'll say okay in this moment i feel I feel a little bit awkward having to do this meditation and you just narrate what's going on in your head. That's literally the meditation. You just become aware of what's going on in your head. Um, there's a million ways to meditate, but um, something tying in with meditate I, I, to get to your, 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 to give you an answer was Wim Hof was, was the way that I got into it. I studied with Wim Hof and I started with breath work. I've got a video up on YouTube that people might like um, that goes through the Wim Hof breathing technique. People find it a lot easier than traditional meditation. And then I transitioned into just regular kind of sitting in silence, 15, 20 minutes. But people often ask, what's the advice you would give your younger self? And the number one thing I would give my younger self would be to accept where you are. Because the reason I, saw, I was depressed and everything else when I was 24 was not because of my situation. It's because I thought it was such a... I'd be, obsessed with how wrong it was to be in my situation if at that time at 24 i could have said i am where i am it is what it is let's move let's make a move i would have moved forward no more than someone that's very overweight and berates themselves for it berating yourself two things will get you nowhere blame will get you nowhere There's no point blaming other people shame will get you nowhere no point shaming yourself and so wherever you are in life today if it's not exactly where you'd like to be you say i am where i am 
I'm proud of where I am, even though it's not exactly where I want to be. I've got uh, there's some positives to where I am. And now I want to go somewhere new. So I'm going to make some changes that freedom and meditation kind of gives you that because if I close my eyes and there's like, Oh, I feel lonely and I feel a bit sad and I feel like people don't respect me. And I, I'm getting all these thoughts. Okay. These thoughts are there, whether I want to acknowledge them or not, they're there. And so if I can accept them, then I can work on them. If you can accept something, you can change it. But if you judge something and think you're wrong for thinking something, it's like this. If, 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 if you introduce me to a friend of yours and I decide I don't like them, I'm like, oh, I don't like this person. I've judged them. And now nothing they say is going to be interesting to me. I'm not going to be able to understand them in any way. I've shut them down. When you judge something you can't understand because you put a label on it, that person's a beep. <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> same with ourselves. If I judge myself and I say, I'm never consistent. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just not good at things. I'm just not social. I'm just, I've just got bad genetics. Those kind of judgments. There's this idea, this might be what we should finish on for, for now, but it might be useful for people. Um, statements close the mind, questions open the mind. And so anytime you're berating yourself, you're probably making a statement. Again, I'm not good enough. That's a statement. How could I be a little bit better? That's a question that opens the mind to new possibilities. I've got bad genetics, so I can't lose weight. What's one thing I could do to lose weight? Statement versus question. And that can be transformative for people. Um, that person's a bad guy. Uh, what are the positive traits in that person? Just, you know, stre stress is like when you put on blinkers and you think everything's this and freedom is here. So you got to ask questions to get to the freedom. Yeah, absolutely love that, man. And I love the analogy that you put into the meditation when it comes to judging somebody, because that's what I felt like when I was meditating at the time or trying. I was like, what am I getting all these feelings for? Like, you know, is this not, I might not just mad to zone out, but I suppose that comes with somebody who's more experienced letting you know that it's okay to be like that. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's, it's where it is. Here's what it is, right? You know, we, 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 our attention can only be in a certain number of things. So we've, we've got these biases and we've got like a confirmation bias and the confirmation bias will look out for things to back up what you already believe about the world. So I don't know if, it's like your social media newsfeed. If you like Donald Trump, your social media newsfeed is going to be full of similar content and you think you're getting this well-balanced view of the world, but your mind is the same. When you believe certain things, you only see those things. And so um, with the, the meditation and just recognizing your thoughts, it's like this. If, if you've got a carpeted floor, they'll say that when I'm sat here, I don't notice anything, but if the sun comes in through the windows on the carpeted floor and I look very closely, I'm going to see dust just above the above the carpet it's always there but now i'm just aware of it and in the same way those thoughts that get really noisy when everything else gets quiet they're always there but you just don't notice until you slow down so it's almost denial not to acknowledge them and to pretend that i only get crazy when i'm i close my eyes um but yeah yeah, no, it's powerful stuff, Pat. I really, really appreciate it. Everything you've talked through there, man. You know, even me listening to that, I've learned a lot. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to it um, basically will take a lot from at home because, you know, why I wanted to get you on to begin with was because your story, number one, but because of what you actually promote within health and fitness. You've been the fitness guy as well, but now the mindset to go alongside it because you understand, and I'm starting to really understand as well as I go through my own journey. It's not just about the the end journey it's about being present of where you're at and enjoying it and actually being happy right now and it starts from within and that's why i wanted to start this podcast with the guy that i thought who could sort of 
and can't be solved that mate so i really really appreciate it and there's one thing that you sort of touched on there as well that I actually was going to ask you the last little sort of snapshot question but you sort of did answer it away but it was basically pat you know what i'm going to basically ask most people you know what would you give your 16 year old self advice not even in regards to like you know to get to where you want to be but you know the way setbacks is almost where it allows people to overcome things so you actually end up being the person you are today but what advice would you give your younger self to sort of you know what this is where i am now this is where i was but this is the advice i'd give you not based on overcoming the setbacks but just general advice for your younger self sure um it would be the idea of a fixed mindset and a growth mindset so the fixed mindset is i am the way i am and i'll always be this way and some people are good at things and other people are not and then the growth mindset is if you can learn something so can i and so at 16, I did some martial arts. I did boxing, I did kickboxing, I did a little bit of MMA. I played a little bit of guitar. I did a lot of different things, but I never believed I could be great at any of them. Now, I just wasn't putting in the work. Now, I, I, I understand that to get good at something, it's down to the amount of hours you put in, the way you approach it, all this kind of stuff. Started learning Spanish two months ago, and now I'm holding pretty decent conversations in Spanish. And it's just, I... I, I I feel anyone can learn anything very quick if they recognize the work that's required. And that would be the thing I would, I would, I would tell myself, you got to work, you got to put in a lot of hours to get good at something. And because your life is short and you got to put a lot of hours into something, it's absolutely essential. The thing you're putting hours into is important and interesting to you. And it's not for anyone else. That would be my, yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. on pedestals. That would be the other one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, Pat, thank you so much, mate. That, that answer alone, man, is fantastic because it's something that I can understand myself as well. But look, mate, we've covered a lot there, man, from meditation to basically your own backstory to, you know, basically being inside strength for you actually to have that own sort of happiness to work on yourself and everything else. I'm sure a lot of people get a lot from this, man. So I can't thank you enough again, Pat, for doing it and taking time out of your day. And I'm sure, again, we'll cross paths in the future. I know we've signed up for the course that you're going to be running here at the end of July and I'm actually buzzing for it as well and um, so Pat for people basically like I said mate who may have not have heard you in regards to my circle or some people because there's a lot of people mate, within my clan group like Pat definitely oh my god right okay unreal I'm going to tune in straight off this so there's a lot of people do just for the people who don't Pat work in the find in social media and also Pat even about the course that you're running at the end of July that I've signed up for myself Deadly, uh, thank you. Uh, so for men.ie, F-O-R-M-E-N.ie, it's a men's group. Um, it's just something I, I'm passionate about. I'm in some men's circles myself and there's something, you know, I just want to get men talking and connecting and, and sort of looking at this stuff and make it a little bit more accessible. I obviously do mixed groups, but some men are more comfortable coming into a men's group. And then uh, in terms of my, my stuff in general, I've got a podcast called Patively Podcast. Um, there's 140 episodes up there. Most of them are just solo podcasts, me sharing different ideas and stuff. And um, yeah, that's where I would go, or Instagram, Patively. Super stuff, Pat. That is fantastic, man. So look, thank you again for your time, man. Appreciate it beyond hell. Um, and I look forward to speaking to you again at the end of July, Pat. Thank you so much for your time, brother. That's great. So that wraps up the first episode of the Inside Strength Podcast and I am super, super happy with basically everything that happened within that itself. There was so much value given, so much I learned as well, hopefully you learned too. And any feedback or reviews, please let me know directly. 
um, I'm open to basically anything that you guys and girls want to listen to more of and I hope you enjoyed it first and foremost so second guest coming up as of next week which is going to actually be my own coach he is Joe Parse and he is a full-time online fitness coach so I'm really really excited to get him on and share his story share his expertise and to give more value to you so speak to you soon Thank you.